Good morning, everybody. If we have not gotten to meet yet, my name is Andrew. Like Dan said, I'm going to use both of these tables. And uh, I lead this congregation. Um, <laughs> I love what Dan said about family. I think the two things that stick out to family, uh, about family to me, one, it's a little messy. Um, and that's fine. You know, you kind of live with the mess. And two is that uh, you can just be yourself. And so, you know, maybe you're here or maybe, you know, if the idea of church in your mind is like you have to be somebody, you have to, you know, put on a face or whatever. Just take a deep breath. You can be yourself. You know, you could be a little bit messy, unpolished. That's okay. We're family here. Uh, we are going to have a very, hopefully, hopefully, cool sermon illustration today. And because we have the kids in the room, I wanted to invite them, if you want to, come sit in the front. We're going to have a little illustration with balloons. They might pop, so if if that's a little scary to you, maybe don't come up. But if you want to come up and have a front row seat to see what we're doing today, you could do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little teaser. Just put this right here. <clears throat> so. <laughs> All right. So. Who here has ever heard the phrase? By the way, we're gonna, I'm going to need some, some participation today. So I hope you guys are ready to do that. Who here, just raise your hand if you've ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat. Anybody heard that before? If that phrase is true, if it's true that you are what you eat, I want to know, what are you this morning? What are you today? Some of you have to out yourselves for not prioritizing the most important meal of the day. Just, just give me, so shout them some out. What, what are you today? If you are what you eat, what are you today? There's a bagel sitting over there. Pizza this morning. That's amazing. Wow. A croissant? That sounded like Rosemary. She went out to get a croissant. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, whenever I, I don't know if parents still say this to kids, but when I was a kid, my mom would say this to me all the time, usually to try and get me to eat vegetables or something else on my dinner plate that I didn't really want to eat, which was usually vegetables. <laughs> and uh, she would also say it to me when we were at the grocery store and I wanted to get something that we didn't normally get, probably junk food, something that we weren't supposed to have. She would say, Andrew, you are what you eat. And the message that she was trying to say to me was, I want you to be healthy. I want you to grow up to be a big, healthy, strong man. And I want you to want to be healthy. And if, we, if you want to be healthy, you have to eat healthy. That was the message she was trying to communicate to me. The message that I heard was something totally different. <laughs> because when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of cartoons, as you do when you're a kid. And there was this commercial that ran right from like the end of the 90s into the 2000s, it was a Gatorade commercial. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but it was an all black and white commercial with these athletes doing crazy stunts, you know, dunking a basketball or taking a bike off a ramp and, you know, catching some air or doing that thing in the gym where they have those big ropes and they just kind of flip around. I never understood that, but it seemed cool. 
but it's all in black and white, except for the athletes. They're sweating like Gatorade colors. They're, so they're sweating purple and orange. And at the end of the commercial, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you know what they say at the end of the commercial? Yeah, they, yeah Michael Jordan, voiceover, the commercial, they say, Gatorade, is it in you? So whenever my mom would say, you are what you eat, it just made me want to drink Gatorade. You know, that message didn't quite work out. But this question of, is it in you? Or, or the question, what is in you? It's a very important question, not just when it comes to what we're eating and having healthy food, but it's an important question when it comes to our spirits, our souls. What do you have in your spirit? Because like the commercial said, if you have Gatorade in, in your body, it's going to help you overcome challenges as an athlete. And in a similar way, the things that we keep in our spirits will help us overcome challenges that we face spiritually. And this question of what is in you is a question that actually John comes back to quite a bit in this letter. John wrote a letter that we've been reading together and we've been talking about. We just call it 1 John in the Bible. He didn't really give the letter a title. We just named it that. And John will come back to this idea of what is in you. He sort of brings it up here and he'll go on and say some other things and he'll bring it back up again. So we're going to look at a few of these verses, see what, it, what he has to say and what God is trying to say to you and to me about what we put in our spirit. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open to 1 John chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. It's, it's, uh, I don't have the page number for you, but if you're using the Bible, there's Bibles in the chairs underneath you or behind you. It is almost all the way at the end of the Bible. It's like a, only a few books back from the, from the end of the Bible. First John chapter 2. While you turn there, I want to remind you who this guy is. John was not only Jesus' very best friend. John knew Jesus better than anybody. But he was also a pastor who really, really loved people, really, really cared about people. And the people who, who sort of came to faith in his church, he really wanted them to live their best life spiritually to know Jesus. And so he comes back to this idea because it is so important when we are following Jesus. And so, in 1 John chapter 2, he says this, in ver we're going to be in verse 14. It's a very interesting verse. I really like it. It says, I write to you, mature ones, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young ones, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. I like this verse for a couple of reasons. One is because John recognizes that there are lots of different kinds of people in the church. And he says, I'm writing to everybody. I'm going to write to the grown-ups who have known about this stuff for a while, who have spent a lot of time in their relationship with Jesus, and I also am writing to the kiddos. I'm writing to the young people. I'm writing to the people who are new in their faith, the people who have questions, and I'm writing to everybody that's one of the reasons I love this verse. The other reason I love this verse is because this is where we get the first hints of the thing that we need to have in us. So who can tell me what this verse says we need to have in us? 
What are we supposed to have in us? What does this verse say? Just shout it out. The word of God. So John says we need to have the word of God in us. And he is saying two things. He's got a surface level and a deeper level. The surface level thing that he's saying there is if you have the word of God, if you have the Bible in your heart and in your mind, if you spend time reading the stories and thinking about what Jesus says, you're going to be strong. It's going to make you strong. It's going to help you overcome. But he's also saying something deeper because Jesus, or because John wrote another book in the Bible that's called the Gospel of John, where he tells us the story of Jesus. And he starts his gospel in a very uh, different way than the other gospels start. And he tells us a little bit about the Word of God. And so when he's writing to these people, these people know John's gospel. And so when he mentions the word of God, they're already, their brains are jumping back to what he said about Jesus and the gospel of John. So this is how it starts. It says, John starts his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So we've got the word of God in the beginning already. No, no Bible at that point, just the word of God in the beginning. It says he was with God in the beginning and through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So we have the word of God is the thing that created everything and has life in it. It's the thing that brings you and me life. And John says one more thing about the word of God, and this is so, so important. It's in verse 14. It says, the word became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, or the only begotten, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And then John goes on to talk about Jesus. So the word of God is not just the word of God, but the word of God is also Jesus. And John says, because you have Jesus in you, in your spirit, you are strong and you overcome the evil one. So what John is saying here in these verses, this, ver this verse in, in chapter two, is that what is in you will determine what happens to you when storms and challenges come. John says what is in you will determine what happens to you when storms come. And a lot of us will think we, th we, we, we can try and avoid the storms, we can try and do everything we can to, to make sure they never come, but they always do. And so we try and find things that are going to help us navigate the challenges that we face. And so some of us think, if I, if I just know all the right information, if I read the right books and have all the right answers, then maybe I'll be able to weather the storm. I'll know what to do because I have all the right information. So when the storm comes, I'll be ready to deal with whatever happens. And so we put information in us to help us be strong and weather the storm. I wrote information on it. It's kind of hard to see. And then 
So this is what we have to rely on. We rely on, on, our, on our minds and knowing the right thing. And then the storm comes. The challenges come. The pressure is on. The heat rises. And if all we have to rely on is the right information, things might not turn out the way we hope. My pop. If that's all you have to rely on, it might not go so well. So maybe we'll say, okay, well, maybe it's not about it, the right information. Maybe I need to have the right friends. Maybe I need to have the right people in my life, the right community in my life to come around me and support me when these storms come. And if I have the right friends, maybe that'll help me overcome the storm. What do you think? You think having the right friends is gonna, is gonna work? Because the storm will come, the temperature will rise, and if this is all we have to rely on, as things go and the pressure's on, you might burst into a million pieces. So maybe, maybe it's not about knowing the right things or about having the right people around you. Maybe it's, it's if you can just live the right way. Maybe if you can get all the right habits, all the right routines. Maybe if you go to bed on time, you get enough sleep, you brush your teeth. Then, whenever the storms come, you'll be ready. You'll know what to do. And the right habits will help you weather the storm. Because the storm's going to come. The pressure's going to be on. There are going to be intense moments in your life. And the heat's going to rise. And if this is all you have to rely on, when the storm comes... not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. But John says in this verse, if you have Jesus in you, if you have Jesus in you, he says, you will overcome. And so, if you have Jesus in you, the storm comes the pressure's on. John says, if you have Jesus in you, you're going to be able to weather the storm. But he says something else. He says something else in, later on in chapter 2. It's very important for us to find out what he says. So if you still have your Bibles open, go down to verse 24 in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 24, John, he, he develops his argument. He says something else. He says... See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. This is what he has promised us, 
eternal life. So John says something else. He says, it's not just important that you have Jesus in you. It's very important that you have Jesus remain in you. He says, it's, it's not going to be enough to weather the storms of life if you just have Jesus in you on Sundays when you come to church. If you come here and you let Jesus in you, but then after Sunday, you go home. Whoa. <laughs> Did not expect that. You go home and you, you, you go back to something else. You let something else go back to being in you. What do you think is going to happen? John says you need to have Jesus remain in you because if you're just in you sometimes, it still might not be enough. He says there's a big difference between a visitor and a resident. When a visitor comes to your house, you know that they're going to leave eventually. There's certain things that a visitor doesn't really do, right? A visitor doesn't come with a bunch of suitcases ready to move in. A visitor doesn't come right in and open, some visitors do, just open your fridge and start eating food right out of it. And John says, we don't want Jesus to just be a visitor to our spirit. We want Jesus to be a resident. We want Jesus to move in. If we want to weather the storms and the challenges in life, we need to have Jesus live in our spirit. Not just let him in, but we need to have him live there. So the question is, how do we get Jesus to stay? How do we get Jesus to stay in us so that when the storms come and when the pressure's on, we can weather the storm. We can overcome the challenges. Because remember, the first verse he said is, you have this in you, and you have overcome. You've already done it. Well, he, he goes on. He'll come back to this idea in chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles open still, you can, maybe you have to turn the page, but we're going to go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. John says this. He says, those who obey his commands, live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So somebody tell me, how do we get Jesus to live in us? How do we get Jesus to stay in us? Somebody say it. What does this verse say? louder. Obey. John says, if you want Jesus to live in you, he says you need to obey him. Obey him. Listen to his commands, to do what he says, because here's the thing about Jesus. He is not a bully. He is not going to push his way into your heart. He's going to stand very politely at the door and he's going to knock. 
And you can choose to come to the door and open it up, and he's going to say, can I come in? Can I come in here? And you can say yes, and you can say no. It's your choice. He's not going to force you. But once you say yes and you let Jesus into your heart, he's going to ask you another question. He's going to say, can I be the boss here? Can I be in charge? Can, I, can, can this be my place? Can I be the one in charge here? And if we say yes to that, that means Jesus is our Lord. It means that we will do what he says. And Jesus says, even in this verse, John says, we know it because he gives us his spirit. And the spirit of God, the spirit that he gives us when we say yes to both of those questions is the spirit that helps us obey. Sometimes, who here has kids? Kids, I want to hear. Who here, sometimes your parents tell you to do things you don't want to do? Just raise your hand. You can look back and see your parents. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to obey, right? Sometimes it's hard to obey. But when it comes to following God, when, when it comes to obeying Jesus, he gives us something that will help us. He gives us the spirit of God to help us. And so, if we have God live in us, we have God, we said, yes, you can come in. We said, yes, you can be the boss. You can be in charge. What do you think is going to happen when the storms come? What do you think is going to happen when things get hard in life? The pressure's on. The storms come. The heat rises. Things get hard and they're overwhelming and they're challenging. You can overcome the storm. You can overcome the storm. And it might, it might leave a mark. Jesus doesn't promise us that we'll never get any, any you know, black dust on us. Sometimes it might leave a mark. But if we have Jesus in us, hopefully this doesn't roll away, we can weather the storms. You wanted it to pop? Sorry. <laughs> so my question is, how do you answer these questions? How do you answer these questions that Jesus is asking you? For some of us, we've said yes to both of these questions for a long time. Some of us, we've probably said yes to the first one, but we're still iffy on the second one. Said so Jesus is nice, he, you know, he gives me sort of a warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside, but, you know, all that stuff about serving and, you know, loving my enemies, like, I don't know about that. Some people maybe haven't even said, still trying to figure out their answer to the first question, and that's okay. Jesus is very patient. Jesus is very patient with us. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Uh, and we're going to close together by taking communion. And if you didn't get one of these little guys on your way in and you'd like one, you can raise your hand and somebody will come by uh, to, to drop one off for you. Communion is a great time 
It's a great time to reflect on those two questions that Jesus asks us. Communion is a time for us to remember what Jesus did and who he is. When Jesus was with his people, John, the guy who wrote this book, when Jesus was with him, they had their last meal together before Jesus was going to be crucified. Their last meal. And Jesus said at that meal, he said, I want you to remember me. And I'm going to give you this, these two things as a symbol for you to remember me. I'm going to give you some bread because you probably have bread just about all the time. And I'm going to give you uh, some, <laughs> some grape juice. Some grape juice. And when you have these things, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember what I did and who I am. And so we're going to take this together today. And for those of you who have said yes to both of those questions, this is what I want you to do. As we take this, I just want you to reflect on the orange balloons. Even, even when we have Jesus in us, sometimes it can feel like these are the right things that we need. That we have to really spend a lot of time and energy focused on this. As we take communion, if you said yes to both of those questions, if you said, Jesus, you can come in and you can be the boss, I want you to reflect and say, maybe ask Jesus, are there places in my life where I'm actually trusting in friends or information or, you know, anything besides you? Would you show that to me so that I can put my trust in you and you alone? And if you're here and you feel like you haven't said yes to both of those questions, maybe you said yes to one and not the other, or maybe you don't really have an answer to them. Uh, I want you to take this time and reflect on, on, on your life. And there, there are going to be storms that will come. There are going to be things that will happen that you will not have control over. And no amount of perfect habits or great friends will be able to uh, help you overcome that storm. You could blow into smithereens. And Jesus is still there at your door. Jesus is still there knocking and saying, can I come in? I'd like to I'd like to live here. <laughs> and maybe today is a day where you can say yes to God. And if you want to do that, you can just, just pray. Prayer is just talking to God. And you can spend time and just say, God, I would, Jesus, you can, say, you can call him by his name. Jesus, I would like you to come in. And I would like you to be the boss. I would like you to show me how to live. I would like to trust you and rely on you. I would like to do what you say. knowing that your spirit will help me do that. And if, if you spend time praying, Jesus will come in. Jesus will come into your heart and he will bring his spirit with him. And that spirit will help you and guide you and lead you as you go. So if you have your cups here, you can open up the top, the little bread part, if you haven't already. On the night before, or the night that Jesus was crucified, he took bread 
bigger than this, and he ripped it in half, or he ripped it into pieces, and he said, this bread represents my body, which I'm going to give for you. So when you eat this, remember me and what I did. Let's take the bread together. Later on in the meal, Jesus at one point took up a, a, a cup and he said, this, this is a symbol of our new relationship, covenant in my blood. We're going we're gonna to be roommates. <laughs> so whenever you drink this, I want you to remember this new relationship that we have together. Let's take the cup together, remembering our relationship with Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you for knocking at our door and letting us come in, uh, coming in, being patient with us to allow us to surrender control to you. And I thank you for being patient with us every step of the way when we struggle and sometimes have challenges with obeying you. Thank you for your spirit that you've given us to empower us to do that, to help us know what to do when we feel confused. Jesus, I pray that you would remain in us, that we would put our trust in you when storms come, when things feel overwhelming. Jesus, would it be you living in us, in our hearts, in our spirit, that would be the thing that would help us overcome challenges in our life. praise you and we give you our worship we pray this in jesus name